And we're going to have a song after I read chapter one. But before we do anything, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as, as we, your children, come together this morning, we come together, Lord God, this is, this is a particularly special day in that it is the day that we choose whereby the brethren can come together. And Lord, the, the basis of our fellowship is in Christ or it is through him that we are all related and referred to as the brethren. Lord, we are in common given eternal life. We are given the gift of the Holy Ghost. We are given great and many precious promises. All of us, Lord, God, that have your son Jesus, have also the Spirit and the Father. And so, Lord God, the benefits of our having believed in that that good word which we call the gospel, that good news, Father, brings about not simply a new way of thinking, but it brings about a new life. For we, Lord God, would not talk regarding philosophy, uh, not, not uh, make conversation simply regarding a fleshly understanding of spiritual concepts. For Lord, we want to come to you today and worship you in spirit and in truth. And each of those, those are those are separate um, terms. Uh, Father, uh, the truth is that which is demonstrated by your holy life. The spirit is the uh, person who comes in us and seals us and draws us all together and draws us into a oneness uh, with Christ, with also the Father and of course the Spirit. And we thank you this morning for the, the great mystery of the church um, that you uh, hold hold forward in eternity to all who would see as the, 
the crowning achievement of your goodness and your wisdom and your righteousness and and your mercy and your power and your foreknowledge. Uh, Lord, we deal with things this morning that are too much for the human mind. But we pray that uh, and thank you that we are not simply bound by what we can think as an intellect, but we, Lord God, are bound to you uh, by a person who is in himself the way and the truth and the life. And so we, we, we uh, boast of nothing other than we boast, Lord God, that Jesus Christ is all in all. And that he is our joy. He is our peace. He is, Lord God, our power. He is our understanding. He is our mercy. He is our great shepherd. And on and on, Lord. Uh, and I would say, as John said, if all of it be said, the world itself, and all the universe could not hold what ought to be said. So I, Father, I consider these truths. I am humble, and I am, I am brought to see the immensity of your grace, whereby you would consider to be the savior of those of us who were once enemies, and that's all of us. Thank you, Lord. May your word uh, resound and echo and attach itself to the depths of our heart mm -hmm. that we might not sin against you and that you might be pleased with us. For it is our fondest desire, Lord, that we be pleasing in your sight and that we bring glory to your precious for it is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 And so I'm going to read in 1 John chapter 1. Again, I may make some comments. Chapter 2 is principally where I wanted to go. But the closer I got to where I'm sitting, the more I saw that all of it's tied together. And so we begin First John chapter 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, 
which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it. And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifest unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Let me just let me just say briefly something about verse 9. Because what I find in verse 9 is a truth that is found in Romans chapter 3 regarding the work of the Father through the Son. And it is this. The work of the cross, my friends, not only shows us that God is faithful, not, not simply to the promises that he has made to us, which he is, but he is the faithful one. That is his, that is a description of an element 
of his character. God always acts out of his being. And if you listen to me long enough, and as we look into this word today, I hope that we will all see that Christianity, what we call Christianity, that that form, uh, that word we attach to the fact that we all have been made alive, and that that life that makes us alive is Jesus, and that he is the eternal son. He has always been. And therefore, the life that he gives us is eternal life. It, it has always been with him. That life is the character of God out of which we live. And so if we are faithful, it is simply because his life in us has all uh, faithfulness associated with it. If I walk in the light, it means I will be faithful to the one to whom I have consecrated my life. That uh, as his light shines in my heart, I will consider not that which is for my amusement or that which is for uh, my fleshly benefit, but I will consider because he is faithful in me, his life is in me, and you, that we will consider what is his will. What does God desire from us? What does God, uh, what has he prepared? for us in his counsels within the, the Trinity in, in uh, eternity past, what has he wrought that will be fulfilled through our faithfulness to his life and according to his life that is eternal life, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so God is faithful. But there's something else about the cross that I particularly remember from Romans. And what Romans tells me is that, that God has given Jesus Christ as a sacrifice for our sins, as, as in that passage, 
as he is referred to as he is the propitiation for our sins. And that's a word maybe some of us uh, really don't understand. So let me say this, that, that and of course, and I've told you before, the word propitiation means mercy seat, literally. But what it refers to is the, is the satisfaction that comes to God through the sacrifice of his son. Now, what does that mean? That means that we all were enemies of God. We were all sinners. And I'll just remind you, it is not proper any longer to refer to those who are born again of this eternal life. It is not proper any longer to call us sinners. And don't you do it. Do not allow it. For we were made righteous in Jesus Christ through the fact that the Father and the, the, the triune God was agreeing in, in one uh, Godhead that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ satisfied every demand that the Father had regarding the justification of our lives are, that is, the making us who were wrong, he has made us to be right. And that's what justification means. And Christ satisfied everything that was required. And quite frankly, beyond that, that he satisfied the, the necessary demand of God for justice. And so, yes, we consider that we are forgiven, but let us also consider that justice has been done for our sins. The reason you are forgiven and I am forgiven is because it is only right and proper that we be forgiven because we have put our faith in that source of satisfaction that God demanded as the payment for sin. And so when I read that he is faithful and just, I must consider that I am not simply forgiven, but I am given the gift of righteousness by a just God who will not allow sin to go without its punishment. And that was the wrath of God that rested on his son in a place called Calvary. And it was once and for all. It wasn't just for sins that came before, 
but it is for sins, past, present, and future. For those of us who have truly rested from our own labors, not trying to be right, but rested from our labors whereby God has declared us right based upon the justice of the satisfying sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so, as we walk in the light, as Christ is in the light and he is the light, and John told us early on in his gospel that Jesus Christ was light that came into the world. But the darkness did not comprehend it. And so God did more than simply bring Christ into the world. But he, before the foundations of the universe, God declared us. He knew our name. And he considered us who are made children and who do become sons. He considered us and he placed us in Christ even before the first star, when there was no universe, not the one that we see, God exercised, for he knows not time, he exercised his mercy and grace before we even existed. And that he exercised towards you and I. Yes. And that light came into the world and God has declared that according to his choosing and according to his calling, we join with that life and that light who is Christ. And so we, therefore, have the opportunity, if we are faithful, and if we choose, uh, through faith, obedience to him, we walk in that light. And as we are walking in that light, any glimmer of temptation, any, any, faint call of the flesh to uh, and, and temptation that is found to sin as we walk in that light it is revealed because that's what light does that it makes manifest and the best life my friend is not sinning and then confessing and then sinning again and then confessing Though that is available, and, and thanks be to God that it is, for we often need that capacity whereby we can, we can confess our sins. 
but I tell you there is another way. And that is the way that is afforded to us as we are in Christ and Christ is in us. Whereby that light that is in us dispels all the darkness that would come at us. And we immediately, when we feel temptations rumbling, we flee to the mercy and the grace and the power of Almighty God that our fellowship and our communion with Him might not be interrupted. And very much of First John chapter 1 is about that. It is about that life, that eternal life that comes to us through the Son. And just before I move ahead, uh, let's, uh, let's listen to, uh, I'm not sure if this is Mark or um, Penrod. That's this guy, Penrod. Come now and walk with me. 
Now, my friends, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sing not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. I would just have you to be sure that you know what the word advocate means. It's a legal term. Often it will be translated paraclete. Uh, you can think of it as having a uh, attorney counsel. So if you were in trouble with man's law, then you might need to hire someone to represent you before the system of justice in this earth. And that man we call a solicitor, a, an attorney, a lawyer, and it is his job to speak for you it is not his job to look for everything that is wrong with you. It is his job 
before the throne of justice to speak on your behalf. And so what would it be, my friend, that Christ, who is our paraclete, who is our advocate, who is our attorney at law, standing before the throne of his Father on your behalf and mine, but as an individual, this is not something that Christ does for us collectively. This he does for each of us on a case-by-case -case basis. And what does Christ have to say? Mm -hmm. Whatever it is that has offended the Father, Christ, even before we confess it, Christ stands before us or before his father having already sealed us in our relationship with God by the Holy Ghost he speaks on our behalf and he refers to the fact that he paid the price in full for our sins and so this is part of what I like to say is the progression of our salvation. We were sin, or pardon me, we were saved. And if the advocate is standing before the Father on our behalf, we are being saved. And being saved goes much beyond simply that. Uh, but we'll stick with that for now. And finally, when the occasion arises, we will be saved because we have an advocate before the Father. And it's not just anybody. It's his own son. And it is his son who has defeated sin and death for us whereby he pleads absolutely effectively before the throne on our behalf with a plea for us that cannot be denied. And so we are kept in Christ because Christ stands before an almighty, awesome Father and pleads our case with absolute objective perfection. So, John goes on, verse 2, he tells us what I mentioned a while ago, that Christ is our satisfaction. He's a satisfaction for our sins and for the sins of the whole world. And now I would like to get into 
what I believe is the primary purpose of the letter of 1 John. Now, to give you an idea of why I believe that, I could, well, one thing I could do is just read the whole thing right now. That I won't do. But the purpose of 1 John is so that you can know that you have eternal life. And so the Lord tells us how we can know. And he tells us that by many methods and based on many truths. But just to show you the, the consistency, because we find this uh, all the way through 1 John, uh, John telling us by the Holy Ghost, what are the characteristics of how we live as Christians? Not so much about the inward work, but about what is the character of our walk based upon the fact that we have been born again, placed in Christ, and Christ in us. And so in John chapter 5, uh, starting, uh, I'll start with verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. Now, I, I guess I, I can't help but tell you that story that I asked uh, a, a Bible study class one evening. I said to each and every one, I'd like to go around the room and I want you to tell us how you know that you have eternal life. It's an important question. It was the very question that Al Moore, the man who led me to Christ, asked me the night I was born again. Matter of fact, he even read to me at the end of his presentation to me verse 13 of John, 1 John 5. Starting with verse 10, he that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may, and here's the operative word that, that that rang 
so true in my ears that first night I believe that you may know that you may know not think not hope not not something that you're you're trying to discover not something that you you've just uh, set your mind on and and uh, considered that if you perform well enough then uh, you may have it no these sayings have I written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God all right this is primarily the purpose of the epistle now I can tell you that there are a number of scriptures or verses in first John that if you consider them carefully are going to cause you to say I really need to know exactly what God meant when he said thus and so. You know, if it is so that we can know that we have eternal life. And then in that piece of scripture, the Lord tells us what is it that you ought to discern about your own life and the way you walk that life. What is it that you should be able to discern about yourself, about how you think, about how you behave, about who you follow, and what is the desire of your heart and how you treat the brethren that is the family of God in this earth all these things come into play in the question how can you know that you have eternal life and and the, it is not something that the Lord wants to make us afraid about it is not here so that we will doubt whether or not we have that life, but it is so that we will know that we do. And, and it reminds me of that scripture in Hebrews where, again, Paul said that if your conscience does not commend you then or pardon me does not condemn you then you can know that you are right before God but then he goes on and says to us that God is greater than your conscience so my friends it's important that you have conscience 
that you can discern uh, as you grow into the fullness of the stature of the person of Christ. You can, through your conscience, which has been made alive because you were born again and able to discern, particularly as you grow in the fullness of Christ, that you come to know him, that you understand and are able to, to discern that which Paul calls that which is high, mm -hmm. the, the height and the, the depth and the length and the breadth, and that's four dimensions. So there's something there that is a little beyond that I need to discern regarding how is my heart yeah. in relationship to the conscience that God has given me, to the discernment that I have that is brought into more and more sensitivity as I grow in Christ. But beyond that, there is also, of course, the speaking of the Holy Ghost. And I couldn't say that that's second to conscience. Let us say that he is first, because it is true. We walk, uh, uh, Paul said, uh, if we live in the Spirit, okay, you're born again, you live in the Spirit. That's that's where you were placed. If you're placed in Christ, you're placed in God. And so Paul says in Colossians, for you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Okay? So, you know, there's, there's layers on that onion, but you're in there. Yes. <laughs> and so we have the Holy Ghost, whereby... If we live in him, Paul said, let us also walk with him. It's one thing to have the Holy Ghost. It is another thing to walk in obedience to what he has to say to us. And I have to tell you that the word obedience has much to do with what John explains to us in this epistle. All right. And so in verse 3 of chapter 2 of 1 John, the dissertation regarding our walk with him truly begins. Verse 3, and hereby we do know that we know him. What's the first thing he says to us here? If we keep his commandments. Now, I want to tell you something. I've been at this now for going on 50 years. 
I have never studied First John without coming away from it with um, with some questions regarding what the Holy Spirit led John to say regarding our walk with Christ and our resting in the assurance that we are his. And I have wanted to know more. And so you can consider that which is coming to be the, you know, the, the 20th, uh, what should I say, the, the 20th uh, reading or studying of this word, and it's probably been a lot more than that. And, and with my heart open and saying, Lord God, I, I need, if there's something here that I have not fully understood, make it known now. Now, I can tell you that I have not discovered anything that is contrary to that which God has taught me and I have taught you over these many years. There is nothing contrary here. One of the first things that comes to my mind always and always has when I read verse 3, which says, hereby we do know that we know him if, if, if we keep his commands, then the question has always popped up in my mind, what does he mean when he talks about commands? Because we have been careful to stress the fact that we are not saved because we keep, for example, the Ten Commandments. Or we have, we have very carefully studied a number of scriptures in their entirety and compared them with all of the Bible and come to a conclusion that the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And that no man is ever saved by keeping the law, but the purpose of the law is to reveal how terrible sin is. In other words, the scripture says, quote unquote, the law is there to make sin exceedingly sinful. And don't let anybody think as we talk about commandments here in 1 John uh, chapter 2 that we are talking about the law. Don't let anybody say, you know, Pastor Bentley went back and uh, got us all confused about the whole idea that we are saved by grace. No, you are saved by grace indeed. 
but I would like to now just fall back a little bit on chapter one of First John and talk about what was the work of God whereby you and I were, quote unquote, saved. And the answer to that is given to us in the description of Jesus Christ in John, 1 John chapter 1, when he said, uh, you know, the one that they had looked on, the one they had handled, uh, the life that was manifested, referring to Jesus Christ, and he said in verse 3, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship with, is with the Father, and um, and with the Son, Jesus Christ, and these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. So the whole writing, whereby that we might know that we have eternal life is given to us, so our joy might be full. And so God is not tearing us down here. He is looking for a way in your and my life to make us filled with joy and so he said in chapter one uh he said first in verse five this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that god is light and in him is no darkness at all but if we say that we have fellowship with him and certainly, salvation must involve communion and fellowship with the Father through the Son and by the Holy Ghost. If, and if we say we have it, and we walk in darkness when Jesus Christ himself is the light, then we are in trouble. And so, uh, my friends, the message of First John is so that our joy may be full. But what good is it to be deceived thinking that uh, you prayed a prayer once or that you got baptized once or that you're on the rolls of a church somewhere or that the preacher patted you on the back and said that welcome to the kingdom of God. And then what good is it to find out that those characteristics that are absolutely defined as being uh, the evidence of our life with Jesus Christ, that those characteristics are missing in our life. And I have never made this. Uh, my friends, to be something that was hidden. Dear God, and I can only fall back on him, that I have preached to you the whole counsel of God. And that's what I'm continuing to do today. Is it possible, I'm asking you this, what you know of the scripture, is it possible that there is a day coming 
when some are going to answer God, when they are condemned, some religious people are going to answer back to God and say, now wait a minute. We have cast out demons. I have cast out demons in your name. I have healed the sick in your name. How could you possibly condemn me? And that's where the scripture tells us that Jesus Christ will, will speak up. And he will answer us in our objection regarding the fact that the Lord has not found us to be in Christ. He has found us to be in self and deceived and not knowing that the fruit of our own imagination and the the fruit of our own self-will we substituted for that which is life, which is a person. And so will Christ say, he says he will say, depart from me, you accursed, for I have never known you. He doesn't say, I don't know you. He says, I have never known you. It's not that you fell away. You never belong to me. And so, my friends, I preach 1 John, not because I have questions about you. I preach it because it's here. And it is part of the whole counsel of God. And so in verse 6 in chapter 1, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. And do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he, who's that? As who is in the light? You know, I think the song that Penrod just sang said something to the effect, come now and walk with me. That's what's being discussed here. If we walk in the light, we walk with Jesus. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And not only that, we have we have absolute confidence in him that we have eternal life. And that confidence is given to us in many ways. But as we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleansed us from all sin. I believe that that passage that talks about we have fellowship one with the other speaks primarily to our fellowship with God himself. I walk. I desire to walk with him. I am careful 
because as days go by, I consider that which is absolutely mandatory in my life that I that I consider him first in all things. That that I look at him with awesome respect, even to the point that I would I would use the word. I fear that I should dishonor him. I fear that I might step out of the way and and then to insult the injury. I might step out of the way and that I might be deceived regarding where that step has taken me. Because I think it's often the longer we are deceived, the more likely it is that our conscience is seared as with a hot iron. And even though God would be knocking at our door to bring us to the truth, we just are not tuned in. But he has given us the word. This, this is one reason that I, that I harp day and night the word because i might think about it and in my imagination my friend i might come up with some things that would give comfort to those who ought not have it i tell you i was born again into a fellowship uh, of, of believers but i can tell you that some of them didn't appear to me to be saved by Christ. They appeared to be saved by a doctrine of eternal security. And I've told you before, I'll say it again. I believe in the security of the believer absolutely, hands down. But the doctrine of eternal security is not why. I am comfortable with my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I am comfortable because his spirit bears witness with my spirit. I am comfortable because I have seen a progression in my life, and I hope you have, whereby those things that you, those behaviors, that at one time may not have bothered you, suddenly, at some point along the way, you wake up and those behaviors, those habits, those, uh, uh, those things that, that really you find delight in, suddenly you realize that you have delight in those things which God himself does not have delight in. And when you come to that place, it's a crossroads. Because that's when God is saying to you and I, this is one of those times, my child, when you must decide whether you're going to obey me and please me 
or you are going to disobey me and please yourself and I give you the freedom to make that choice. Dear God, one of the characteristics of those who are moving forward, that is like when Paul said, for I, I count everything but loss, so that I may apprehend that for which I have apprehended. One of the ways that you know that you are moving forward and that truly God is doing a work in your life, because I say he is never stagnant in regard to his moving. There is never uh, a pinnacle that any of us come to whereby he says, well, I've done everything in you I want to do. There is always that which you have not seen. There is always that which has which the enemy has come against you and he has somehow beguiled you or I to think that some habit or some practice or some thought we have regarding our life is, is that which is acceptable unto God. And the answer is no. The answer is that he will not be left out of any thought or any desire or any practice or any delight that you might find as you live in this world. If God is not in the very center of it and God is saying to you, I bless you in your choice and you have glorified me and you have denied yourself because you'll never get here if you don't know about self-denial. If you don't know about saying to self, you won't have it because it's contrary to the heart of my father. And it breaks my heart even to think that I would be involved or that I would allow myself to go there or I would become hardened to the moving of the Holy Spirit in regard to that question. My friends, these are the hours of decision. And I don't know about you, but the closer I come to seeing the face of Jesus Christ, and you and I don't know when that will be. Because the rapture may come, you know, next month, but today may be your last day. And, and I, I would... I would stand with the songwriter who said, Lord, when I see him, I don't want there to be much change. Yeah. I want to be prepared. Yeah. Not because I'm afraid of being lost. It's because I'm afraid of dishonoring him. Because that becomes, that becomes the motivation for our life 
when we begin to grow up in Christ. And so briefly, I want to talk to you about this word commandment. The first thing I want to say emphatically, absolutely, Christ is not talking about keeping the law. But Christ is talking about those things that he has said to us. You know, I got to wondering about it. So I got, I got on the computer and I printed this out. Anybody can do it. And I just typed in what are the commandments of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not so important that whoever put this together maybe overemphasized or underemphasized one or the other, one way or the other. What I am interested in is that there are a number, there are a hundred here, 100, 100 sayings of Christ that can be considered commands. You know, we thought, we thought the law was hard. Oh. Well, it was hard because it was something that was done by those who were to appreciate God without having the benefit of the Holy Ghost. And the law was not only hard, it was impossible. And then I bring up the commands of Christ. And let's just say that only half of these actually can really be taken as commands. You know, when I get to, into chapter two, later on, and I read, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him for all that's in the world the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. Oh. Hmm. On one hand, I have been brought into Christ and given the Holy Ghost, whereby as I grow in the power and the life that is Christ, I become more than simply a little child, which we're going to talk about probably next week. But eventually I began to grow up. And I began to see things that are the will of God that I did not see before. And that is the will of God for each of us that we are moving forward. And somebody said, and I think they're right, if you're not moving forward, you're going backwards. Because we are being brought to perfection by the washing of water by the word and by the power of the Holy Ghost and, and the preaching of the truth and the fellowship of the brethren 
and all the means of grace whereby God affects our life. We are being brought to the place where we can say, Dear Lord, I do keep your commandments. And if there's some commandment you have for me, Lord, tell me, I'm ready. I'm ready to keep it, dear Lord. Now, verse 3 says, Hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. Now I tell you, if you don't look at John chapter 2, starting with verse 15 as a commandment, you're in trouble. I'm sorry. Well, I'm not sorry. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry as a man, but as a preacher of the truth, I am not sorry. Mm -hmm. Because this is the word of God. And I can't minimize it. I can't soften it. I can't make it say something that it does not say. My response, th this becomes individual for each of us. Our response is back to God. Yes, Lord, it is my delight to do your will. Or, gee, Lord, are you really sure about that? Uh, I must be misunderstanding this whole idea of those things that I love. And uh, I think I'll just think about it long enough. And if you think about it long enough, desiring more than anything else, that you find a way out from under the commandment of Christ, then you're really in trouble. Because it is those who are his who keep his commandments. And so I, I'm going to have to wrap this up, but I, I want to tie this off and take up next week in regard to the idea of keeping the commandments as to why we do it and where that desire comes from. And what, I'm, what I want to leave you with is that the desire to keep the commandments of Christ, you know, when he said, uh, you know, if you love me, feed my sheep, right? Is that a commandment? The desire to please God and keep the commandments of Christ, which so many actually involve loving one another, and not hating anyone, anyone. All of those flow from the relationship that we call life. And this epistle started off with talking about that person who is eternal life. And what we are going to find as we move through this 
because there's so much there's so much more to say as we move through this we will find that there is a progression from first looking and saying what would god have me do and then because of growing into sons and into the fullness of the person of Jesus Christ, we don't have to even ask, Lord, what would you have me do? We know because the life is in us and we have brought that life not simply have we received that spirit but that spirit has re reconfigured our soul it reconfigures what we think dear god there are things that you and i have thought and conclusions that we have come to since we were little children that were were brought into us by our parents that we never questioned that still may today be tripping us up and so it is progress when the life of christ in us reconfigures our soul that's what i call coming to maturity so that what I think and how I feel and what I decide to do is no longer a matter of me having to say, dear Lord, what is your will? For I am growing up in your will in my soul, whereby I can say, my delight is to do thy will my friends it is my prayer that god bless each one of us with that maturity in christ whereby we walk even as he walked and how did he walk well what did the words in what's his name uh, yeah <laughs> what what do the words of penrod mean when he talks about freedom's slave they don't go together those words my friend it is inexplicable to talk about freedom's slave. But I tell you that that's what we are. When we come to Christ, and as, as it were, the Father takes us to the doorpost of his temple, and he drives an all through our ear, and he places us there in his household. We become slaves to freedom you see all of us are going to serve something 
Some are going to serve Satan. Some are going to serve self and not know that Satan is always behind self. And some are going to serve Christ. Do you love him? That's always the question. Next time, I want to get into the question of the difference between a command and just simply the Word of God. And just simply the moving of the Holy Ghost. And eventually then I want to get into an inexplicable portion of chapter 2. Where I think I understand for the first time I truly understand why John talks to fathers. Why John talks to little children. Why God talks to the strong young men. Because wherever we are, he has a word for us. And let us be excited wherever you are in Jesus Christ. It is not a matter of your performance. It is a matter of your willingness. That is, when I talk about will, I will mention what Christ said. My will is to do the will of the one who sent me. We'll go from there, my friends. May God bless you, everyone. If you have questions about this through the week, you can call me. But I hope to to loop this all, weave it together for us as we move forward here in 1 John chapter 2. Thank you for being with us today. God bless each one of you. I pray for you that you will come in the fullness of the person of Jesus and be, be free as the servant of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the mystery of the work that you have performed in building your body here in this earth. Thank you, Lord, that your gospel is not a gospel that the, the self-righteous people will receive for they will stumble over it it is not a gospel that wise men look at and say there is wisdom because they will find it to be foolishness but Lord the gospel the work the love of God and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross his resurrection from the dead and his ascension into heaven and his coming again. Lord God, that is wisdom. That is power.
that is truth. May we know it. May we yearn for it. May we not rest, Lord God, until every question is answered. Bless these people, Lord. May you meet their every need in Christ, as I know you will, as long as they abide faithful and ask. They will receive. Thank you, Lord. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.